Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. If you haven't yet given us a five-star rating and a fond review, pause this recording and give us a five-star rating and a fond review. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, an Anglican priest. Chris, how are you? I'm great. It's a beautiful fall day. We've had a turn in season. This is our weather portion of the podcast, I guess. Mm. But I mean, I sit here looking out my window at, at this sunshine and, and I mean, it's, it's cooler uh, and I can't help but, but um mark the change in season kirk how are you um i'm good i'm good since we we are doing weather updates uh about 45 minutes before um you and i started talking i had a small window of time and i figured i'd go and walk the dog and uh i'd, I'd seen earlier this morning or yesterday that uh it was supposed to have thunderstorm in the afternoon but i checked uh the weather app and i looked at the radar and of course, the problem is then you look at the predictive radar and, um, and the predictive radar, it seemed as if this, the storms would scatter a bit north of me and a bit south of me as it moved. Our prevailing wind is a, uh, is a west wind. So as, as kind of the, the system moved from west to east across uh, our landscape, and I'm like, yeah, we'll be fine. And the problem when predictive radar looks like um, chicken pox or like lumps, it's random, right? They have no idea where the storm cells will pop up. So I got drenched, got totally drenched. And, uh, and so um, you, you, you commented when, we, uh, when you saw me in the video, you're like, did, did you just shower? Here's what? Well, I guess in a manner of speaking, I did. So, so I, got, I got caught in the rain. I'm also very excited. I, I think I'm going to do a new project. Um, uh, because I am me and I listen to the things I listen to, including the weekly uh, BBC Radio 3 Coral Evensong mm. um, broadcast. I, um, <laughs> I was listening this week, and BBC Radio 3 has a Christmas carol competition. Ooh. Yes, very ooh, very exciting. And so uh, I'm, I think I'm going to enter it. The poem is Christina Rossetti's Love Came Down at Christmas. Mm. So... I was sitting down at the piano earlier, and uh, I would say a B minus um, melody came to me. So, so I will, I will, throughout this week, maybe search for greater inspiration. So that's what's going on, on in my life. Yeah, um, you're uh, already okay. thinking ahead to Christmas. Is that is that kind of hard here? In uh, oh my, I guess gosh. we got to do something during this long slog through the season after Pentecost. We're 
Yeah. Well, we're putting on a, um, not putting on, that's the wrong word. Um, we're going to be doing a full-scale Lessons and Carols uh, service here in December, both at our parish and in a neighboring parish. So I've been rehearsing the choir and Christmas carols since September. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the, but, the, but the difference is, this is a Christmas carol that isn't, isn't quite, it, it doesn't exist yet. Right. I'm groping in the dark for it, almost as if I'm groping blindly. Christopher, only, if only there were a cure for such blindness... And with that, we transition to our gospel reading, which comes from Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and, and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, rabbi. Let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Kirk, this is the, the close of a section here in the gospel of Mark. Um, this is the last passage before Mark 11, which marks the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So we've talked at length about this messianic secret. And, and so here um, there's, there's no messianic secret. There's no, like this, this man is shouting about the, Jesus being the son of David <clears throat> and, and Jesus isn't being like, shh, 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 because like Jesus knows what's coming, which is the cross. Um, and, and this triumphal entry that, that like that the time has come. And so Jesus is, is going to um, uh, he's heading out of Jericho. To Jerusalem, and the, even just this name of this young man—I don't know why I said young man. <laughs> we don't know what age he was, but um, this this man Bartimaeus. We have this almost repetition here because uh, we know that the 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 prefix Bar means son of. You know when Jesus says Simon Bar Jonah, all that means is Simon son of Jonah. Um, uh, here Bartimaeus. Son of Timaeus is almost redundant, uh, and so that that almost calls our attention to to his name, to this name Timaeus, which means one who is purchased or bought. So um, we we had just read about Jesus being our ransom, uh, a ransom for many. We have a son here who um, uh, who was purchased or bought and who needs help, 
And so he, he cries out to Jesus and asking for help. And uh, we talked, we made a little bit of, of the fact that Jesus um, at various points, um, when the other blind man um, asks Jesus to heal him, he says, lay hands on me and heal me, that Jesus does, that Jesus kind of condescends to where that man is and heals him. But Jesus responds to this man, um, Jesus is like, you know, what do you want? So this guy, um, he, he asks for mercy, but then Jesus uh, let, lets him approach. And Jesus says to him, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Isn't that interesting? Um, we, we don't always see that question, but uh, I can't help, Kirk, but think about our, our, our recent guests who guest on the show who encouraged us to read um, scripture with this naive reading, like as if it were written for us, for you mm -hmm. and for me. And Kirk, so let me ask you, um, <laughs> what are your prayers to Jesus today? Um, I've heard people reflect on this, like pe people's prayers are, you know, generally for world peace or for this or for that. But let us not forget that, that we even advocate with the father. Yeah. Um, that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and and Jesus said to his disciples, "Anything you ask in my name, I will give to you." Um, and of course, putting that aside, kind of holding that intention with the fact that um, three times Paul asked that the thorn be removed from his side, and and the and the word he heard in response was not, "I'm going to give this thing that you're asking of me," but it was that no, my grace is enough. Mm -hmm. Um, but but God is a giver of good gifts, and um, sometimes we just don't ask. Um, yeah. for the things that we ought to be asking for. So, so, I mean, that's something for us to consider today. Like what, what is it that, that we want to bring to the Lord in prayer and how do we boldly come? How do we, how do we look at people in scripture, like the persistent widow or this, or, uh, Bartimaeus who Jesus says, what do you want? And, and this man could say, oh, I, I just want, I want your blessing, <laughs> which would have, would have been quite a thing to say, you know, Jesus, would you bless me? But he says, no, I want my sight back. Um, this is a man who clearly had sight before, um, cause he says, uh, our, our translation, the ESV says recover, let me recover. Right. Sight. So he was not born blind. Um, and Jesus doesn't touch him, but, uh, Jesus response commends his faith. He says, uh, he, he commends essentially the boldness of this request and says that your faith has made you well, which we should not take to mean that, um, Uh, that like the faith itself was the, was the thing that, that healed him, right? It's Jesus that healed him, but it's, it was um, his posture as he approached Jesus is the one that we ought to have this posture of Jesus. This is the posture that you should have Kirk, that I should have, that we should teach our children, Jesus, son of David. So rec first of all, recognizing who Jesus is, the second part, have mercy on me, like understanding like who we are in relation to God, um, that we are people, um, we are miserable offenders, right, Kirk? Yeah, which doesn't absolutely. mean, does, which, which we've said many times, doesn't mean uh, that we're uh, unhappy. It means that we are in need of mercy. Right. Um, and that our request in understanding that we are sinners in need of mercy is, the, is to recognize who Jesus is and to say, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, in, in, in the words of absolution, which um, each time in corporate worship that I um, proclaim, uh, I, they're prefaced by, by the statement that, that um, all those who sincerely repent, 
all those, sorry, all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to him um, can be assured of, of forgiveness of sins, right? Um, but it's it's this posture of understanding our sin, of, of confessing it, knowing that God is faithful um, to forgive our sins. So so it's the posture of this man, of, of recognizing who, like who he is, his status, and who Jesus is. And notice, in contrast with the rich young ruler, what does the rich young ruler do after this encounter, Kirk? He goes away unhappy, for he had many things. Yes. And how about Bartimaeus? What, what does he do after this interaction? Bartimaeus, he uh, immediately recovered his sight and followed him on the way. He follows Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, this, this is no uh, coincidence that we see of these things contrasted, that, that one man says like, ah, that's, that makes me sad. And he goes the other way. This man follows Jesus. Um, so Kirk, wh- wh- what do you see here? So I'm fascinated by um, the categories and varieties of Jesus' um, miraculous mm. um, miracles. His miracles. His miraculous uh, my, miracles. His miraculous miracles from the Department of Redundancy Department. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, given my personality, I can, can um, sometimes tend to focus more on his teaching the theology sure, of the incarnation, sure. the two natures of Christ, all that stuff. And sometimes I have to remind myself that, that, that God has extraordinary supernatural power. He breaks in to this mortal mm. realm with his grace and healing, resurrecting power. And, uh, and so like, what, where, where does this, where does this, where can we place this as we read the scriptures and kind of see his, see his um his miracles and okay so it looks like it looks like there are there are healings there are miracles that control nature right walking in the water calming the storm um there's resurrection of the dead which he performs um in what is that john 10 mm-hmm. um and and then uh there's kind of uniquely there's the transfiguration which is a miracle that happens to him <laughs> mm-hmm. um but that's kind of its its own category but amongst healings, uh, you know, what does he do? It seems like there's, there, there are a lot of blind people he cures. And probably, you know, um, I, I don't mean to, in some ways, the Roman world was more advanced than uh, Western civilization in 1900. For example, there was running water and running sewage in Roman cities. And there wasn't <laughs> in, in American cities, uh, you know, 121 years ago. Um, but, but in other ways, uh, there are probably a lot of people with one eye, one arm, probably a lot of, a lot of blind people walking around. So there are, there are a lot of blind people that are cured. Um, there are a lot of lepers that are cured. There are paralytics that are cured. Um, and I, I, I started to look at the, the blind people that are cured. And I mm. love that he uses a variety. So we saw previously this year in Mark 8, right? There's the blind man at Bethsaida. Um, and Jesus cures him. Um, and this is the, I always get a kick out of this one. You remember he put some spit on his eyes and laid hands on him. And uh, the first time he says, I see men like trees walking <laughs> yes. around. Remember that? Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's the weird one where he tells him like, don't, don't tell anyone about it. 
So there's that. And that was two chapters earlier. And now this one's much, much easier, right? There's no, there aren't, there's not a two part, right? There's not a booster shot, right? There's not the first shot. And then the booster shot, right? It, it's his faith, his faith heals him. In Matthew, there's a, there's a similar, almost a, a double text to this. Uh, likewise in Luke. Well, not Kirk, Kirk, I'm sorry, not, not to be pedantic, but, but um, I do want to point out, like, it is not his faith that heals him. It's Jesus that heals him. Yes, but that's but right. like the response that's that right. Jesus is looking for is, is one of faith. Yeah. In John, um, Jesus heals the, the blind man from birth during the festival of booths. Uh, do you remember this is just before his crucifixion where he mixes again? Again, we have the spit, right? The spit with dirt to make a mud mixture, which he then places on the man's eyes. And then he goes and washes his eyes in the pool of Siloam. Um, and that's, of course, an interesting one when he's asked by the disciples, who caused this man's, uh, was it the sin? Who's cause, what was the cause who's of this sin? man's blindness? Whose right? sin? Whose sin? Was it his right? or his mother's, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as if, like, there were this correlation. It was assumed that somebody's yeah. sin caused it. Yeah. So obviously uh, a bunch of blind people were healed and in a variety of ways. Um, and why? Um, is it circumstantial? Um, is it uh, each of these offered a, in addition to a healing, a moment of healing, also a teaching opportunity? Um, is it the, 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 the Mark in secret, secret at work, right? Earlier on in the ministry, um, healing was important, but, um, but it was also important not to trigger events that would lead to kind of his trial because his time is not, had not yet come as he continues to say, I don't have answers to any of these things. Hmm. I just, uh, an observation, the gospels and Jesus are endlessly complex. They have no bottom. The further mm. you dig, the richer they mm. are. Um, and, and that may be a testimony to, to their truth, right? Um, myths aren't that way. Myths are huh. sort of embodied morals, right? Like the storyteller wants you to learn a point and it's just kind of a vessel for, for kind of a, a morality tale. Uh, but there's an endless complexity to this. And I don't, I don't know if there are answers to why he used these varieties other than that he was a human and he had different moods <laughs> and, um, and he healed different ways at different times. So I, I shed zero light on any of this. I just have questions. Mm. just a sojourner do you have a, do you have any answers to any of that or uh, i mean i i, I don't want to go through um so i i think they're good questions to pose kirk um and and why i would urge our listeners to to simply read scripture devotionally um because because there are endlessly new things for us as, yes. as we go back um th that god may have something different for us in our in our different circumstances um that they are endlessly deep, that they um, defy um, simple explanations. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, do you have Do you have any any further observations on this? No. I let's uh, let's move on to our theology segment. Or or shall we just um, wash this um, section clean uh, before wash, we do wash this? the section away? Wash it away. Wash it away.
Today, for our theology segment, we would like to look at the um, sacrament of holy baptism, and specifically uh, the service of baptism in the Book of Common Prayer. We've talked about baptism a lot. It's an important part of what it means to be a Christian. Um, it is the entrance right into the faith. Uh, and so uh, a lot of scriptural texts throughout the course of the year touch upon it, teach upon it. Um, we have the baptism, John the Baptist baptizes during, in Advent texts. In Epiphany, we get the baptism of our Lord. Um, and uh, baptism is referred to other times in the epistles. It appears a bunch in the book of Acts. And, uh, and, and, and we have some teachings on it in the Gospels. And we'll touch on all those things here in a moment. But one thing you and I have never talked about, Christopher, is the, the actual rite, R-I-T-E, the actual service, um, I guess in common parlance, of baptism. Now, we've talked about a bunch of different services. Services are things that um, we do together as Christians when we gather, um, often on the Lord's Day, uh, on Sundays, but, but, but not always, not always. And um, we've talked about, uh, let me find the, the, the list of things we talked about. We've talked about morning prayer. We've talked about evening prayer. We've talked about the great litany. We've talked about, I lost the list. We've talked about, I don't, <laughs> we've talked a lot about Holy Communion. I don't know if we've talked about the service of Holy Communion. So I think it's, it's well nigh time to talk about the service of baptism. And this is helpful, Christopher, for me as well. Not helpful. It is, it is timely because in our parish, we have had uh, just a remarkable adult ed series this mm. autumn um, on the, uh, the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. And we recently, on October 10th, we, uh, we talked about baptism and confirmation, and we really had a remarkable conversation. And so with that fresh in my ears, I think we should talk about this. Um, if you have a Book of Common Prayer in front of you, or if you want to go online, we can put a link in the show notes. We're actually uh, on page 160. Um, and uh, I think, first of all, Christopher, actually, before we start on that, uh, we, could, we could maybe elucidate what our what our church body um, teaches on baptism uh, and our, one of our, one of our formularies, that's a fancy word for what our church teaches or what our church believes mm -hmm. is the 39 articles. And our article on baptism uh, goes like this. Baptism is not only a sign and mark of difference whereby Christian men are discerned from others that be not Christened, but it is also a sign of regeneration or new birth whereby as by an instrument, they that receive baptism rightly are grafted into the church. The promises of forgiveness of sin and of our adoption to be the sons of God by the Holy Ghost are visibly signed and sealed. Faith is confirmed. Grace is increased by virtue of prayer unto God. The baptism of young children is in any wise to be retained in the church as most agreeable with the institution of Christ. Um, so we're going to, all of that is really bathed in scripture. And that was something that yeah. you, you wanted to touch on. And so I think yeah. we'll, we'll touch on all of those, all of those in a moment, but our prayer book, um, has a preface, a kind of a one page preface mm -hmm. con titled concerning holy baptism. And it says simply this, and it cites two texts as central to our teaching on baptism. So maybe Christopher, I can read this and then we can you can, I'm sure you have thoughts. 
in holy baptism, the outward and visible sign is water, in which candidates are baptized, quote, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that's from Matthew 28, verse 19, commonly called the Great Commission, just before his ascension. The inward and spiritual grace is death to sin and new birth to righteousness through union with Christ in his death and resurrection. And the text there is Romans 6, 1 through 11, um, which talks about us being um, baptized with Jesus in his death. So, Christopher, you, uh, you wanted to, as we talk about our right of baptism, the service of holy baptism, you wanted to stress that, um, that we're making nothing up um as, as well, no, this is what i want to stress yes is ahead. that um we say no more and no less than what mm -hmm. scripture has to say about baptism that's right um and so so we um we don't go further than, than scripture goes um but um i don't think people appreciate enough what scripture says about baptism yes but there is one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And I've seen interesting, like people in social media, like arguing about this, that like, or people just not even realizing that that's in, right. in the Bible. Right. That like what we confess in the creed is, is, um, is, is just words from scripture. So, um, so that, that, that's why I want to highlight like that, that this, um, like that the article on baptism, um, is merely saying what scripture says. Yeah. So, I mean, the two texts, Matthew 28, 19, Go into the world, baptizing all nations. Uh, I'm sorry. Instead of instead of yes, baptize all the nations, Kirk is what it says. No, I mean that that's ultimately a, a great goal, right? Um, yeah. No, instead of instead no, of, I mean it's it, like the Great Commission is interesting, um, uh, especially because like go isn't even the verb, and oftentimes like that has been emphasized that like is 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 go, but it's like no, as you go into the world, um, make disciples make is disciples kind of, the of all the nations. like make disciples of all the nations so so we're we are to make disciples follow you know make followers of jesus um of all nations and so how do this we is do not that? just it, right yeah this is not just for for um for the for the jews but but for all nations right. um and and there is this desire um and we we see this in revelation all the nations you know right. um uh, among the redeemed um all the making disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything um, that I have commanded. And behold, I will be with you always. Um, so it, like, we don't want to like focus too much on any one part of that. Like, yep. like don't, like don't focus on the go part, especially since that's not right. right. But like, let's, let's look at all of those, um, all of those things that, that Jesus said. And uh, it's interesting that we see, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to read scripture poorly. And so we see Jesus clearly say to baptize in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. And yet um, there are times that, that this is shortened. I think it is in the book of acts where it says people were baptized in the name of Jesus. Um, and where that's like shorthand for the Trinity for a Trinitarian right. baptism. So, right. And the, um, the, uh, the reference there to Romans six, one through 11, mm -hmm. that that's a, that's a long argument, but, but the, the heart of that is starting at verse four, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, right? So our baptism unites us 
with the benefits of his death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we might too might walk in newness of life. Right, so baptism isn't symbolic, or it's not our profession to Christ, but it's there. Right. It's saying that like there's a spiritual benefit. There's a uniting of us mm -hmm. into a, like we are we are grafted into Christ's death. Our baptism is like unto His death, mm -hmm. and the spiritual benefits of His death are ours because of that. For and He says, verse five: For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like his mm -hmm. and he and he goes on further so again nothing there about baptism being symbolic but actually having real powerful right. resurrecting spiritual benefits so. right which is why um uh, let's say someone is baptized as a baby um and then they are not walking with the lord at some point in their life and then they come to faith and they're excited and they come to us and they say i want to be baptized um we do not rebaptize. right why? Because there's one baptism. Like right. if, if God, act, if it is in fact God who acts in baptism, um, then, then there's no reason to be baptized. The first one is valid. Um, and th that's an important thing to consider. And especially when like, uh, you know, some people have been baptized many times because they felt like earlier ones were insufficient. You know, I don't know if my heart was in the right spot. Well, I mean, that's the life of being a sinner of the simul justus et peccator, right? That like, uh, it's never, you know, that we are fully uh, right in the right place or fully um, repentant. It's that God acts in baptism. Yeah. And so it's interesting that, uh, Kirk, you probably know this, that there's like a kind of like a uh, provisional baptism. Um so you can, if someone, if someone came to me and like, I'm not sorry, what did I say? I meant conditional. What did I say? Provisional. Provisional. Conditional. Um, there, there is a reaffirmation of, of baptism and coming up with all saints. Everyone will reaffirm their, bat, their baptism, but there is only one baptism, but there is something called a conditional baptism. Are you familiar with this, Kirk? I, I am not. Okay. It's on page 173 in our prayer book. Um, and, and in essence, like someone may come to you and say, like, I don't know if I was oh, baptized. There it is. like, yep. I was raised in the church, but like, I think I was baptized, but I can't produce a certificate. Certificate, Like, I, I just don't know. Right. I asked my parents and they, they weren't sure either. Cause Kirk, I don't remember my baptism. Do right. you remember yours? Nope. So we kind of take in faith that like, in fact, what right. was alleged to have happened actually happened. Mm. Um, and so uh, what a conditional baptism is, it's the same service. But, um, and here's, here's the rubric. It says, if there is reasonable doubt that a person has been, has not, I'm sorry, if there's reasonable doubt that a person has been baptized with water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the person is baptized in the usual manner, but this form of words is used. And it is, if you are not already baptized, you know, uh, Kirk, yeah. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and that if is huge, because if you were already baptized, then, then all you're doing is getting wet because there's... Right. All, there's one baptism. Um, but if you haven't been, this is your baptism, um, yeah. which is kind of a weird thing, but it's, it's, it's a way of, of um, having a provision for that. So, so the, um, amongst the rubrics, and, uh, and I'll go back and forth between um, 2019 and 1662, because I like some of the anachronisms here. 
This is from 1662. The people are to be admonished that it is most convenient that baptism should not be administered, but upon Sundays and other holy days, when the greatest number of people come together, mm. not only so that the congregation there present may testify to the receiving of those who are newly baptized into the number of Christ's church, but also because in the baptism of infants, every man present may be put in remembrance of his own profession made to God in his baptism. For which cause also it is expedient that baptism be ministered in the common tongue. That would have been a shot across the bow, I think, of the Roman church at the time, which sure. would have only been conducted in the Latin. Nevertheless, if necessity so require, children may be baptized upon any other day. Uh, and then... Uh, and then I'm, I'm, I'm actually, now I won't read the, uh, the exhortation in 1662. I'll read it in, um, in the 2019, which is on page 162. I love that this rite begins, Christopher, again, with dearly beloved. We mm. saw morning yeah. prayer begins, evening prayer, and of course, most famously, holy matrimony, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you've seen on many movies, right? Dearly beloved. Right. Some, some like dim, dim-witted English vicar always, right? Dearly beloved, scripture teaches that we were all dead in our sins and trespasses, but by grace, we may be saved through faith. Our Savior Jesus Christ said, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he commissioned the church to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here we ask our Heavenly Father that these candidates, whomever, may being baptized with water, may be filled with the Holy Spirit, born again, and received into the church as living members of Christ's body. Therefore, I urge you to call upon God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, that of his abundant mercy he will grant to these candidates that which by nature they cannot have. Right? Kirk, so I love that last yeah. sentence. I love that. Yeah. Yep. So that, like, have... that is, that is baptism in essence. Like, um, what can I not do on my own? I cannot yep. cleanse myself of my sins. Yeah. yeah. And we believe, uh, we believe in, uh, original sin, right. And, um, yet Christ can wash away, um, through the promise of Christ, the words of Christ in the waters of baptism. Um, he can wash that away, but Christopher notice the scriptural citation. There is from John three. Wait, is this prayer book alleging that John 3 is about <laughs> baptism? <laughs> Indeed it is. Because I have heard out of the mouth of Anglican priests that John mm. 3 is not about baptism. Mm. Yeah, unless one is born of water and the spirit, right? Um, and then I love, Christopher, that this has been returned to the prayer book because it wasn't in all prayer books. Um, I present blank to receive the sacrament of baptism, right? We're asked to name the child. Yeah. I love that because our names are precious to our Lord and he knows our names and, and that's great. Well, Kirk, and it's, it's interesting, you know, um, baptism used to occur far earlier in a child's life. And so um, on page 169 at the top of the page um, under the part of the service called the baptism. So you just read the the exhortation, mm -hmm. and then the presentation. So the, the actual baptism, um, what is the first thing the celebrant says? Name this. Name this child. child. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As so in I essence, was... like, yeah, like, so people talk about the christening, you know, in, in, right. the, in the first days of one's life, um, that child would be christened, would be named at their baptism. And right. that, and that um, continues in, in this 2019 prayer book. Right. Um. After, after the exhortation and the presentation, um, 
there is then the, the profession of faith, which Christopher, I, I've heard this said, and I haven't actually encountered this scholarship, that this is one of the oldest uh, remnants of any liturgy anywhere that we have. Um, do you renounce the devil and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? I renounce them. Do you renounce the empty promises and deadly deceits of this world that corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? I renounce them. Do you renounce the sinful desires of the flesh that draw you from the love of God? I renounce them. These are like really bracing, <laughs> bracing words that, uh, that make it clear that we are being conscripted as, um, as soldiers in a cosmic battle. Like, I, I love this. Uh, Christopher, this is none of the, the bland niceness of kind of a lot of kind of American um, feel-good Protestantism. And I love that. And I gather, I've, I've been told that uh, in, in the Orthodox Church, to, when this happens, um, uh, you spit at the West End of the church mm. because that, yeah. that's like where you entered, right? right? That's right. the world, the flesh and the devil that's behind right. you. And the East End is Christ, salvation and the resurrection of the dead. Um, have you yeah. encountered that? And, and make... Uh, have I encountered spitting? No, no, no. Have you, have you heard that that is so? Uh, yeah, but I mean, like, yes. And make no mistake that um, the significance of, of um, position matters, that um, churches uh, for many, many years were all east-facing. Um, and, and this whole, like, um, three renunciations and three professions is significant that you turn your back on the world and you face, um, you know, the, the cross and, and the front of the church represents the, the presence of Christ. And so you renounce the world, the flesh and the devil and everything behind you and face towards um, um, you have these three renunciations and then three affirmations. Do you turn to our Lord Jesus? And so even just positionally facing away from the world, the flesh and the devil and turning to Jesus joyfully receiving the Christian faith and obediently keeping God's holy will. Um, um, there's, there's deep significance to this. And, and as I walk through the baptism service with, with parents of children who are baptized or anyone who's being baptized, um, I, I point out this stuff and, and uh, usually it's for the first time that this is being explained. Um, people are amazed. And, and I've heard comments like this, like there's significance in everything. <laughs> which is cool to see those um, just people light up watching their eyes. Yeah. Uh, and then, and this is Christopher, this is not the, the, the venue to go into this, but comparing 1662, 1928 and 2019, there's a lot of shuffling around and I would love to hear a panel mm, um, yeah, yeah. On, 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 from the commission, uh, from the prayer book uh, commission and uh, as to, as to the, the rationale, this is not to say I object to anything. I'm just, I'm just sure. curious because then we have, um, it, we have that, the, those renunciations, those three mm -hmm. renunciations. And then we have, well, what do you turn to, right? right. Do you turn to Jesus and confess him as your Lord and savior. I do. Do you joy, joyfully receive the Christian faith as revealed in the Holy scriptures, the old and new Testament? I do. Will you obediently keep God's holy will, et cetera, et cetera. I will the Lord being my helper. And then the congregation is asked, will you who witness these vows do all to in your power to support these persons in their life in Christ, we will. Then there's this kind of litany. Um, the Apostles' Creed has said, um, kind of the celebrant asks, do you believe in God the Father? People are like, I do. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator in heaven and earth, etc." Oh, uh, I'm sorry, Kirk. I, I, 
just uh, I don't want to skip over the the fact that um, the reason you mentioned earlier that that um, this is to be done not privately now in emergencies of course this can yeah. be done privately but ideally like in the largest group of people possible like ideally on a sunday um is is like let's not skip over on page 165 where the congregation is addressed um so they're asked to stand and to do all those who witness this will you do all in your power to support this person in their life in christ so this isn't just the sponsors right this isn't yeah. just the family. This is all who are present. Yeah. Um, like, are you going to do all that you can to, to um, support this person in their life yeah. in Christ? I mean, we are one baptized body, into a church. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're not baptized into a relationship with Christ. That, We're baptized yes. into the church. Yes. Yes. The body of Christ has many members. St. Paul like spends a lot of time with that metaphor. Yes. Yep. Um, but then, yes, we, you proclaim the ancient faith in, in the Apostles' Creed. Yes. Yep. After that, after the Apostles' Creed, there's a litany for the candidates where they pray. They have uh, like a handful of petitions they pray. And then there's this prayer for the candidates, mm -hmm. which yes. is, is spicy. So I think we should look at that, Christopher, <laughs> on page 167. Almighty and everlasting Father, in your great mercy, you saved Noah and his family in the ark from the destruction of the flood, prefiguring the sacrament of holy baptism. Look, look mercifully upon these, your servants, wash and sanctify them through your Holy Spirit, that they may be delivered from destruction and received into the ark of Christ's church and being steadfast and steadfast in faith, joyful through hope and rooted in love. They may pass through the turbulent floods of this troublesome world and come into the land of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, Christopher, you had had made it clear at the beginning of this section that we add or subtract nothing from scriptures teaching on holy baptism right. in our liturgies. And this is what text is cited here um, in this prayer. First, first Peter three. First Peter three. Yeah. So first Peter three, uh, I suppose, beginning at um, verse 20, we could start. Because they formerly did not obey when God, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons were brought safely through water baptism, which corresponds to this now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is sitting at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected unto him. Christopher, have you seen any of Westworld? Yes. Or do you know the premise? Mm -hmm. Right? So like when the, um, when the, what, what are they called? Bot, not bots, droids. What are they called? The created beings. I, I don't know. Robots. Uh, and, and, <laughs> I androids uh, or, yeah. or uh, humanoids. I, uh, yeah. When humanoids, they are yeah. confronted yeah. with evidence that they are not human, right? Because they don't know that they're not human, right? Right. When they're confronted with evidence, this is this has become a great meme, right? On social media, they say they look at they look at like the blueprints, and they say, "I don't see anything." <laughs> hmm. To me, like evangelicals, when they look at First hmm. Peter three, they're like, "I don't see anything." It's amazing. I do not ever remember encountering this piece of scripture right. in the first right. twenty years of my life. Period. Hmm. 
Yeah, there's um, a great amount of nervousness about the efficacy of the sacraments, I I would say. Um, The fact that that, that there's anything actually happening in the water um, or or in in the bread and wine. Um, And our Catholic listeners will be like, it's not bread and wine, it's Jesus. Um, And and people point out like the, the mixed metaphors that are like, well, but in... In, in Noah and the ark, like the water, you know, killed things, not saved things. You know, like, so, so like, we don't understand this mixed metaphor. Well, baptism, like we said, it unites us with Christ's death and resurrection. And immersion is, a, a, while a sprinkling is sufficient, um, immersion is, is a great. Well, in the um, metaphor, the ark is baptism, right. not the water. Right. The ark passes through the water, just, just it, as, you know, the, the, they, they walked between the waters on, on the right. dry land and the Red Sea. Like there's all sorts of examples of this that, um, that, that, that um, we can see and, and use. And, and in this case, um, uh, like as picture at baptism by immersion, that, that like as one goes under the water, that represents death. Being covered by water represents death. And being pulled out of the water represents resurrection. Um, and so we are, you know, that, that's why the imagery of, of immersion is really, really good for us to understand. And, and we have um, Noah and his family rescued in the ark um, from the destruction of the flood. Um, and then people, we ask that they be, you know, be received into the ark of Christ's church, that we are delivered from destruction. Um, and it's, it actually is really good at imagery. Um, and I think uh, the thing that people try their best um, to reason around and just that makes people sweat is, is this statement that Peter makes, baptism now saves you. Yeah. So um, just that, that's a spicy So that's, spicy that's Kirk, text why you never heard it. Because right. people don't, they're not comfortable with it, so. And um, so there's that prayer for the candidate, and then there's the thanksgiving over the water and the blessing of the water. And um, in that, Christopher, um, there's some more, it's, uh, that's all bathed in scripture as well, right? It's, there's nothing pagan about that, right? We thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of water over at the Holy Spirit moved in the beginning of creation. Through it, you led the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt into the land of promise. In it, your son Jesus received the baptism of John in the Jordan River when the Holy Spirit descended upon him. We thank you, Father, for the water and baptism. In it, we are buried in Christ, with Christ in his death. Again, that's Romans 6, right? By it, we share in his resurrection. Again, Romans. Through it, we are made regenerate by the Holy Spirit. That's St. Paul's letter to Titus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, the washing joyful... of regeneration is the language that yep. he uses, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now, Father, sanctify this water by the power of your Holy Spirit. All right. And you may say, if you were raised Baptist, you may say, uh, but Kirk, um, <laughs> Uh, you you don't believe that that like stuff saves you, um, uh, like you, faith saves you. I thought you're like sola fide. No 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 no. You're with me. You just don't realize it. You you know that 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 physical matter saves you, right? A God man with blood on a cross on a specific hill in Syria, two thousand years ago. That was physical stuff, and that saved you, right? So. If you can, if you can get that far and believes that that saves you, well then, well then I think you're probably two thirds of the way there, right? Something physical is saving you. And um, what we, what we're saying is that scripture teaches 
that the benefits of Christ's death, passing, and resurrection are physically applied to you in the same way that they physically occurred. God could have just ascended into heaven and mm -hmm. not gone through a, kind of a, this physical ordeal, but that was not in his wisdom how he, how he wanted to, uh, to, um, to save the world. Um, well, and in, in, in essence, like, I don't, I don't think, okay. Go ahead. Like everything that Christ did, he did because it was not because like, that's how we, in his wisdom thought it would be good to save the world. That's how it was necessary um, yes. for him to save the world. Right. As an incarnate, yeah. as an incarnate God, man, he, right, as you often say, matter yeah. matters, right? Yeah. He didn't choose action at a distance, but he, yeah. but he chose to chose to bleed and shed yeah. meaningful blood. Um, Christopher, uh, we, we need to wrap this up because I'm, I am like past my heart out, but I've got to say one thing we haven't talked about is, uh, the matter of infant baptism, which again, that's kind of a very kind of Protestant Baptist antibody that's in the sure, American church. Sure. Um, the 1662 book of common prayer has this lovely little passage, um, that addresses that very winsomely, I think, and very biblically. And I just would like to read that. And it's usually, it, it, the rubric says, after the gospel is read, the minister shall make this brief exhortation upon the words of the gospel. Beloved, ye hear in this gospel the words of our Savior Christ, that he commanded the children to be brought unto him, how he blamed those who would have kept them from him, how he exhorteth all men to follow their innocency. Ye perceive how, by his outward gesture and deed, he declared his goodwill toward them, for he embraced them in his arms. He laid his hands upon them, and he blessed them. Doubt ye not, therefore, but earnestly believe that he will likewise favorably receive this present infant, that he will embrace him with the arms of his mercy, that he will give unto him the blessings of eternal life and make him partaker of his everlasting kingdom. Wherefore, we being thus persuaded of the goodwill of our heavenly father towards this infant, declared by his son, Jesus Christ, and nothing doubting, but that he favorably accepteth this charitable work of ours in bringing this infant to his holy baptism, let us faithfully and devoutly give thanks unto him, saying, and then there's a, a, a subsequent prayer. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that just great? It is. It is. Why would and you Kirk, keep I'm... the little children from him? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to, that, that's a profound point that I don't want to move on too quickly, but I know you're in a hurry and I have two more things I want to say. Say them. One, Kirk, um, what about the criminal on the cross? Right. Who repented and Jesus said, um, today you'll be with me in paradise. He wasn't baptized. Right. Would it would yeah? I mean, oh, oh, oh are you saying that's like a so a some proof some text? people might yeah so right. some people might use that um like extreme uh, yeah. where where God um shows mercy right. um uh, in in kind of extreme yeah okay of that smacks of Jonah right like be, like like being puzzled that God would save Nineveh such a wicked city sure right? why would yeah. we why would we begrudge God his mercy that he did save an unbaptized sinner? <laughs> but, but what a strange, but like instinct. people might say, well, it, it must not be necessary because Jesus assured him of, well, that's, you know, of, of his salvation. It's like, well, weird to use that as a proof text. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause, <laughs> cause, um, 
I, I don't know. I, I think of like, do not put the Lord, your God to the test. So like there, there are like, I know Christians who have not been baptized that they think it's, it's completely unnecessary. Um, and I don't know if they would necessarily point to that, but, um, in fact, like we, we had someone, um, visit our church and, um, he said, well, I noticed that, that only baptized Christians are, are welcome at Holy communion and I've, I've never been baptized. And as I, so I just explained kind of the scriptures teaching on, on baptism and, and why I was like, I, I hope you, if you're a professed, professing believer, I hope you get um, baptized. And then did um, he look over and say, there is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He did not, <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that it started him asking these questions that he had been asking before. Um, and in fact, I had a conversation with somebody who knows him a lot better. And he's just like, that makes me so happy that he was even asking these questions. Um, so, um, so there's that, um, that, that we don't want to use extreme examples to be normative. Um, right. That, that um, like we have this late, laid out um, pattern in scripture of, of not only Christians calling, uh, being called to baptize people, but, but um, people who are new believers, um, like you get baptized. That's, that's, um, that's the pattern and there's efficacy in it. And so we don't want to um, like somehow disprove that because God can work in ex extreme circumstances um, to save um, in, in other ways. Okay. The other thing I want to say is um, on the bottom of page 169, this is just too beautiful um, to, to, to skip um, because it, it, it's, it's a, it's a prayer of thanks after the baptism that um, says what baptism has done. Heavenly father, we thank you that by water and the Holy spirit, you've bestowed on, bestowed on this, your servant, the forgiveness of sin received him or her or them as your own children by adoption that Kirk, we are adopted through baptism mm, amen. and that we were made children and made them members of your Holy church. This says everything that, that happens in baptism and raise them to the new life of grace. And then we pray, sustain them. O Lord and your Holy spirit. That they may enjoy everlasting salvation through Lord Jesus Christ. So with that, shall we close in prayer, Kirk? Absolutely. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you govern all things, both in heaven and on earth. Mercifully hear the supplications of your people, and in our time, grant us your peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. O God, you made of one blood all the peoples of the earth. Send your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week.